I, I truly believe in art, music and dance and drumming and theater and poetry and novels and books. Like this is what changes us. This is the alchemy because we are in an experience with other people where we see that we're not alone, that we, we can become one with that experience. And, and in becoming one, we can become bigger than ourselves. Hello, and welcome to the Shiftmakers podcast, where we share the collective wisdom some of our greatest minds have to offer. I'm your host, Marianne Schnall, a writer and journalist. Over the years, I've had the incredible honor of interviewing a variety of remarkable changemakers, and it is my pleasure to share some of these recordings with you for this podcast. Welcome to Shiftmakers. I have had the absolute pleasure and honor of knowing my brilliant dear friend, V, formerly Eve Ensler, over the course of the past two and a half decades and chronicling through many interviews over the years her incredible journey as artist, author, visionary, and activist. V is, among so many other things, the Tony and Obie award-winning playwright of the now iconic play, The Vagina Monologues. Featuring her fictional monologues based on interviews with more than 200 women talking openly and intimately about their bodies, the vagina monologues struck a chord and became a phenomenon, and it provided space for an outpouring of stories from her audience sharing their own personal accounts of surviving violence. V began to see her play as more than a work of art about women's bodies, but also as a vehicle to help protect them, which sparked the creation of her organization V-Day, a global activist movement to end violence against all women and girls. Intensely concerned and affected by the existential threat of climate change, V has expanded V-Day's mission to be about ending violence against women, girls, and the planet. Wild, a musical becoming, her newest show, was actually inspired by the rising outrage and activism of young people around the world over the state of our environment. In part one of my powerful two-part interview with V, we began by discussing the genesis of the project and her collaboration with Tony Award winner Idina Menzel, Golden Globe-nominated songwriter Justin Tranter, songwriter Carolyn Pinnell, and acclaimed director Diane Paulus. How are you, sweetheart? I am wonderful, V, and always so thrilled and happy to speak to you. Somebody asked me today, like when I said I was interviewing you, like, oh, that's, you know, that's so exciting that, you know, you get to interview. I was like, this is like my, like maybe 15th time interview. Like, I don't even know. No, but maybe because I feel like I've interviewed you on so many different, like, you know, different projects and parts of your life and your career and just all your amazing works of art and just like it's been such an honor just because your body of work is just you know so like just awe-inspiring and astounding and so that's why I'm super excited to talk to you about Wild. What made you decide to do a, a show on this topic and then also why did you decide to do it as a musical? I did a show several years ago at ART called OPC, Obsessional Political Correctness, which was about a freegan and a woman who um, was um, basically, her mother was running for president and she was like a freegan and her mother was trying to, it was like a wild play, but it was really about consumerism and about the environment. And, you know, it was the beginning. And then Adina Menzel, and Justin Tranter, who's this amazing songwriter, who's written like 
15 number one hits. Like he's a real pop artist, like a real pop artist, right? Um, they came to me and they said, we want to do something together. Would you consider creating a story for us? So I said, well, the only thing I really want to write about is climate change. Like, I don't want to do anything else right now. Like, I just, that, that's all I, that I'm thinking about. So they said, great. So, so I, I came up with this story. It's a fable. It's a wild story that I don't want to tell you because it's so much fun. Like, I don't want to blow what happens. But um, so we started working like two and a half years ago. And um, Justin and Caroline Pinnell and Adina and I have all been working together. And, um, you know, I've worked on other musicals, but I've never created my own musical. Um, you know, I've never written a book. I've never really created one from scratch. But I feel like what happens is that what's going on with the environment is out here. And then the pop culture is in here. And I just wanted to create something that would reach into the pop culture. Like I wanted to do something really pop. Like I've never really done that. Everything I've done has been like radical and extreme and you know, it, it has caught on, but it, it's up to the goddesses if that happens. And this was really about how do I create something that really reaches as many people as possible and inspires people and really creates a real argument between, because um, I, think, I think the music really looks at like basically how people are gonna survive, you know, and, and how we're going to not destroy the earth as we're surviving, right? And, you know, when, when people are poor, when people are struggling and people get offered deals by corporations that are hurting the earth, it's hard to turn those deals down if your farm is, hasn't produced that year or if you're, you can't pay your mortgage or you're about to lose the land. Um, so it was really wanting to create a piece where all the arguments were listened to and valid and sound. Mm -hmm. And then create something that was a fable because I think in fables, you can take things up to a whole other level um, because it's magic and because it's supernatural and because things happen and, and it's a way of looking at where you are and seeing it hopefully differently. Um, so that was, that was the basic idea of it. Yeah. And what are you, you know, what would your highest hope, what are you hoping that people who experience this will take away from it? First of all, I want people to think about where we are and what a perilous time we're living in and, and, and how if we as all of humanity, doesn't matter if we're right or left, up or down, um, don't realize that we're in an existential crisis, that we are on the verge of, of being disappeared as a, as a species, um, humans. I, don't, I think other species will survive. But, um, and also just what we're doing to the earth. Like the destruction, the horrible things we're doing to this precious, astounding earth that we get to live on. One, I think it's about people thinking about it. Two, I think it's about really getting into and the arguments and the issues that we're facing. And then it's it's really looking at how people change, what gets people to change, what and a lot of times it's youth and it's young people who are bringing, I, I really believe that the young people are bringing a new world into being, whether it's people fighting for, for gender rights and a new way of looking at gender entirely, or whether it's women's rights, or whether it's this wild international climate change movement that is being you know, generated by young people. Um, I have faith in young people and I wrote this show for young people and with young people. And I'm really excited because I think they'll probably do amazing things in the lobby and the Sunrise Movement will, you know, be our partners on this and work with us. Um, but I, I, I want people to wake up and I want people also to, to, to change. And I want people to feel that 
they their arguments have been heard, but maybe there's another way of there are other choices we could be making. There are other choices we could be making. And if we actually make them together, maybe magic could happen. Because what is magic? But the but but really presence it coming together with each other, making a decision that we are all going to be part of imagining a different future, you know? And I think once you commit to that, you know, as a person says at the end of the play, like we made a commitment to each other and earth and then we became magic, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's when the magic happens, when you, when you show up for life, when you show up for love, when you show up for community. And um, so, you know, I, I, I have one desire, which is how do we open people's hearts and minds so that they come out of their ennui, come out of their fear, come out of their denial, come out of everything and say, I can participate like the people in this community did in changing the story and changing the trajectory that we're on and doing the best that we can to make the best of it right now, because I don't think we're going to stop it at this point. I think we may mitigate it, but we're certainly not going to stop it. Yeah, no, I agree with everything that that you said. Um, and also, you know, when you were talking about young people, I, I couldn't help but, you know, of course, notice that, yeah, the main character is a is a teenage girl. And I guess, you know, from Greta Thunberg to like my amazing daughters to like, Malal, I mean, just, you know, I do think that young people and and particularly, you know, also young women bring such important perspective and advocacy. And I was just thinking about, um, you know, your book, your inspiring book, uh, I'm an emotional creature. Um, so I'm sure that was a conscious decision going into it to have a teenage girl sort of be the heroine. You know what I feel about teenage girls. Yeah. They're always for me, like it. They're just it. And I really have always believed that they're going to herald the new world. And, um, and, and you know, it's, it's wonderful um, to see the, the young people in the cast because they're so good and they're so talented and they're so into it. And then to see the Boston Children's Choir, just these amazing young people who are so into this and are singing their hearts out. And it just, they want more and more songs and they want to be more and more a part of this. And that's where I get like really excited when I see like how art can generate and, and give people a, a platform and a vehicle to express what they're feeling and, and then connect with other people who are feeling the same thing, you know, or who might not feel the same thing, but might be able to come to feel the same thing. Season two of Shift Makers was brought to you by the Shift Network. Shift offers courses, programs, and workshops to unlock your full potential through transformative education and media with like-minded allies who are called to create a better world. Visit theshiftnetwork.com to learn more about their online courses, summits, and events. Well, V-Day recently evolved the mission of V-Day to be about ending violence against all women, girls, and the planet. And the theme for One Billion Rising 2022 is Rise for the Bodies of All Women, Girls, and the Earth. How do you see the connection between violence against women and violence against the earth? Well, we live in racist, capitalist patriarchy, right? Um, and the mechanisms of all of those things are about fundamentally destroying life, um, deciding that one group of people, whether they be white or male, are more important and have a right to be here and other people don't, don't have value, don't have meaning, don't have rights, um, aren't as important. Um, I think so much of what patriarchy is about is domination, occupation, extraction, exploitation 
of women's bodies, of women's labor, of, of the earth, whether it's drilling and fracking or going into the Amazon and deforestation or the desecration of the coral reef and the bleaching of the coral reef. Um, it's, it's the sense that you are entitled to whatever you want to take it any way you want to take it. So not at all being in tune with what you're taking from or what the needs of the being that you are extracting are. It's just yours. You can have it. You can take it. You can destroy it as long as you're satisfied um, without any awareness or care for the future or where we're going or it, it's just. And I think um, I think capital, I, you know, it's like what bred what did patriarchy birth them all. Um, but there are three headed monster at this point. You know, and I think when we look at the bodies of women right now, they are under siege everywhere in the world, whether we're talking about COVID and the impact of COVID on women. So you can just go across the board, whether it's black women who have been, you know, systematically not supported by healthcare systems, uh, prone to diseases due to poverty and circumstances created by structural racism, whether it's um, reproductive rights under siege and people being told they can't even have abortions now and there's bounties on them if they decide to, to have abortions from being raped even, right? Um, worker, women, workers' rights, um, completely under siege, right? In all different quarters. Nurses who are on the front lines, not being respected, not having rights to, you know, look, look, look at how they've had to live through COVID beginning with garbage bags and then no masks and then having to reuse masks and now ragged and exhausted after two years of this and being, you know, thrown back in with no no leave with no overtime with no, you know, I mean, we can just go down the list, right? How women, and, and then the rise of sexual violence inside COVID where with people caught in their houses with people. Um, so I think what we're seeing, and then the rise of fascism, which is creating all kinds of, you know, fascism and, and the destruction of women's bodies and the, um, you know, rise of violence towards women. I, I just was reading this story um, in China where women came forward to accuse uh, a higher up in the government of sexual abuse and they've been disappeared. No one even knows where they are now, right? So we're, we're, we, we can look to Afghanistan, we can look to China, we can look to all across the US. We can, it doesn't matter where you look, you are seeing this rise of fascism, rise of uh, fundamentalism, rise of um, this, this notion that a few people can dominate, have all the money, have all the wealth, have all the goods, and the 99% just are vanquished, right? Um, and you know we see tyrants and we see strongmen in how many countries? And we see our own strongman coming back again and having never gone away, right? And we see a world of, it just unleashed white supremacy. It's been here forever. And of course we all know that, but it's been licensed now. It's been given freedom. It's been given a platform. It's been given an okay by the last president and by, by all the people who surround him in the GOP. And so we're, we're, we're seeing an attack on women's bodies. We're seeing an attack on the earth. We're seeing attack on black bodies. We're seeing attack on indigenous people's bodies. We're seeing attack on trans bodies. We're seeing attack on non-binary bodies. Um, 
you know, across across this country and across the world. And so I think I think one of the reasons we decided this year to focus on the body is that there's so many ways you can take that in every country and every context. Like what what aspect of that are you going to rise for? Are you going to rise for workers' rights? Are you going to rise for reproductive rights? Are you going to rise for an end to violence against your own being? Are you, you know, I think are you going to rise to stop online um, misogyny and, and attacks, you know, um, I think it can be quite vast and, and, um, and it allows for people to come in wherever they're going to come in from. Well, and I think that's, you know, what is so important right, right now is that you're making all those, you know, linkages. I had done um, this interview with Gloria Steinem and this phrase that she had said, we are linked, not ranked. And when I like really like you know, dive down and that just seems like such a good framework to just think about all these kind of like false hierarchies and divides of, about each each other and with the earth, you know, just the fact that we're just not a sole reason we're interconnected. Like, what does that phrase sort of mean to you? And do you think that's part of the issue? Like that even, you know, my daughter sometimes talks about animal rights and about speciesism, like somehow we just, there's all these false hierarchies and, and that we're somehow missing, that we're, we're actually interconnected. Yeah, of course. And I think patriarchy is hierarchy. I mean, I think that they are one and the same. They create a hierarchy where certain men are on top, right? And everybody else is underneath that. And I think part of what hopefully we're learning now is that like, I'm an animal. I'm not separate from the animals. I am an animal. And not only am I le linked, I am. I'm merged. I'm one with that. You know, I don't have any illusions that I'm somehow better than the animals. If anything, I think humans are behaving much worse than animals, right? Um, animals don't take more than they need. They don't bite up more than they can chew. They don't, um, they don't gossip about each other. They don't put each other down. They don't cancel each other. They don't, um, you know what I mean? They, they really take care of their own. They take care of their, you know, they are pretty kind to the other animals unless they eat them, but that's kind of part of the deal. Um, I, I kind of would like to be an animal at this point. Um, but I also think that, um, like, I, I just can't bear a culture anymore. Like, I can't believe, I, I find celebrity culture very disturbing. I think all our social media and systems are geared to make people feel like everyone in the world is having the most amazing life and their life is terrible. And, and that if they could just get into that club or, into that party or into those shoes or into that, they would finally be able to have value and meaning and they too would have the life that all those other people are supposedly having. And to me, this just keeps this whole capitalist structure in its place, right? It keeps everybody hungry and desperate and climbing and clawing, trying to get a piece of this story, which is essentially, in my opinion, empty, just empty. And um, I think part of what I believe is happening in a lot of places now is that people are going, no, I don't want this anymore. I think COVID has been like, I wanna live in my community. I wanna be local. I wanna take care of the people I live with. I wanna support the people I live with. I wanna find ways to barter and exchange and love and live and lift people up. And that I'm not so interested in looking up. I'm interested in looking across and um, and I think that's going to be the way of the future. It has to be the way of the future because as long as we keep any structure, whether it's monarchies or celebrity culture, where there are people at the top who get all the goods, who get all the attention, who get all the love, who get all the money, who get all the clothes, who get all the praise, 
and the rest of the people, it's a problem. It's a problem. And um, that structure has to be deconstructed. It just does. Well, it's funny because one of the things I was going to, this is one of my favorite moments from one of our many interviews a few years ago, was the imagery that you conjured up. I had asked you about the relationship of women and power. Here's that piece from my archives. You know, I think we all sort of pull up to the intersection and we wait for people to let us into the lane. As women, we just keep waiting. Mm -hmm. We keep thinking somebody's going to let us in the lane, you know? Mm -hmm. And then after years of waiting, you suddenly realize, oh, my God, they're not going to let us in. Like, you have to kind of hurl yourself into the lane, right? Mm -hmm. And you're constantly trying to prove that you have a right to be in the lane, even though you've hurled yourself there <laughs> most aggressively. And then what happens is you start to realize that in order to stay in the lane, you have to kind of feel, you have to witness all the other people stuck at the intersection, and mm -hmm. you have to keep moving really fast ahead in order to keep your place in the lane, and you can't stop to let those people in. Mm -hmm. And I think what's happened for me is that letting people in has become much more important than charging ahead in the lane. Mm. And that the price you have to pay to stay in the lane is not a price I want to pay. Just related to what you said, you know, can you reflect a little bit of that? I mean, how can, do you think we can shift kind of the power paradigm to be more? Let's get rid of the lane. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't have an interest right. in the land anymore, right? Yeah. Let's let's go into the forest because that's where <laughs> that's where that's where it is. Yeah. It's in the forest. The lane's over. Like I don't want to be in the lane. You know, <laughs> I, I, I want I want to be with love. I want to be where where people connect. I want to be where people talk about their hearts and their vulnerability and their feelings and their insecurities and where we all get to be ourselves without pretense and and putting on airs and where we get to like fall fall on each other and and love each other and say it's impossible world that we're living in. You know what I mean? And we have a world, a space where, for grief and a space for joy and a space for absurdity in the midst of all this. And, and to just be in the struggle together, to be in the struggle. I mean, I remember um, in Guatemala, there was this beautiful expression that struggle is the highest form of song. And I always have that over my desk. It was just, it's it just the notion that we're in this struggle to transform human consciousness so that we can be generous so that we can invite everybody in so nobody gets left out so nobody feels excluded so nobody feels shamed so nobody feels it like they didn't add up or they didn't matter um that's all i care about anymore that's all i care about and um covid's been a, a wonderful thing in that respect because it kind of stripped everything away that was giving people certainly for the last two years like a lot of what supposedly was giving my life you know, value or, or or some of those things just went away. And you're left to struggle with and ask yourself, well, what, what does give you value, right? And for me, what gives me value is communicating like this with you and, and connecting and and walking outside on this stunning, gorgeous day with my dog and watching his response to this stunning, gorgeous day and, and trying to live my life through him and try to feel what it's like to sniff what he sniffs and feel what he feels in this air. And creating art that brings as many people in as possible and makes people feel that they're wanted and that their opinions matter and that their talents matter. Um, and, 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 and really trying to, to find ways to create platforms and spaces for people who haven't had the, the opportunities to tell their stories and, and express their views. And so we all can learn 
from the multitudes of people who haven't been represented in our culture or put forward in significant ways in the culture. I, I think this is a very exciting time just to see the number of shows and the number of films and the number of books that are coming out, for example, written by black women and black people. I just, I, I just can't stop reading. I feel like I'm learning so much and seeing things that I've never understood or seen before. And I think that's thrilling that we're getting to hear the voices of so many different people um, that we've never heard before. And I think more and more and more of that is what's needed if we're really gonna create the kind of world where, where everybody gets to exist and everybody gets a voice and where we get out of this hierarchy. Um, which is just a stranglehold on humanity. Oh, that is for sure. And I do agree with you, though, that I feel like we're in this really, you know, fertile moment where it's just like, because with COVID and everything, everything sort of just, you know, everything was in front of, I think, people for the first time really seeing how broken everything is. And there was this opportunity to kind of uh, reimagine and rebuild. Um, but at simultaneous, it's a very intense time. People are going through, you know, a lot of different challenges. And one of the things that always stuck with me and, you know, that you've, you know, written about and you've had campaigns about is sort of just this notion of turning pain into power, which, you know, of course, um, that you've done through your own experience, but also amazing examples like City of Joy, you know, where these survivors of, of, of violence are then healed and then trained to become like the, the leaders in their communities. Given that so many people are dealing with different varieties of pains and struggles, what advice do you have on, you know, how does one even begin to do that um, so that to see those, you know, that opportunity to, to grow, you know, strength and, and power in them in the many ways that you have in your work? I think part of what City of Joy, our incredible um, sanctuary for healing in the Congo and Revolutionary Center has taught me is that um, it's really in community. It's really in community that people are able to turn their pain into power, into healing, into um, planting, into um, all kinds of amazing things. And I think part of what um, the whole process of City of Joy has taught me is that we can't heal outside of community. So much of our modalities of treatments in the US are all individual therapies and everybody's working on themselves and the self and the I and the, and I don't even know if I believe in that anymore. Like, I don't, I don't know that I can treat me outside of this culture because no matter how good I feel for a minute, I'm still dunked back into this poisonous soup, right? So, so part of what I, I've learned from City of Joy is that when the culture heals, when the community heals, you begin to heal. And when your sister starts to get better, you start to get better. And you begin to see that your healing is interwoven and interdependent with your sister's healing. And I think um, that's how we that's how we turn our pain into power is knowing that you've got um, that you're in this story with other people, that you're not alone in that story and that your crisis, your depression your sorrow, your sadness, your grief is not yours alone. You're in a world of people who are experiencing that grief, who are being outcast, who are being hated, who are being put down, who are being bullied, who are being by very similar forces to your own. And that means that you're all in a collective struggle to change that. I don't know how you do it by yourself. It's it, it's too big. It's too it's too overwhelming. And so that's that's one piece of it. 
And the other piece of it is like, I, I truly believe in art. I think that, that, that create music and dance and drumming and theater and poetry and novels and books. Like this is what changes us. This is the alchemy because we are in an experience with other people where we see that we're not alone, that we, we can become one with that experience. And, and in becoming one, we can become bigger than ourselves, right? We can become more than ourselves, more than our shrunken, narcissistic, tragic little egos, right? Um, which can take us down the rabbit hole so quickly that we just disappear, you know? Um, so I think all those components um, are certainly at City of Joy, where theater and dance and singing are an intrinsic part of everything that happens there. But also the people heal together. They don't have individual therapy there. All therapy is group therapy. So when one woman is healing, another woman is going, oh, that's my story too. She can do it. I can do it. Oh, look, she's having that experience. That's going to give me this. Oh, that just changed me here. And, that, and it's just spreading it and multiplying it you know, throughout. V founded V-Day, the global activist movement and violence against all women, cisgender, transgender, and those who hold fluid identities that are subject to gender-based violence, girls, and the planet in 1998. City of Joy, a transformational leadership community for women survivors of violence in the Democratic Republic of Congo, was co-founded by Congolese activist Christine Schuler Describer, Nobel Peace Prize winner Dr. Dennis Mgwege, and V. V-Day and One Billion Rising are a crucial part of the global fight to stop gender-based violence through attacking the silence, public and private, that allows violence against women to continue. To learn more and get involved, please visit vday.org. Wild opens at the American Repertory Theater in Cambridge, Massachusetts on December 9th and will run through January 2nd. To purchase tickets, please see our show notes. Thank you for listening, and I hope you will join us for part two of this incredible conversation. Shiftmakers was created by Marianne Schnall and season two was developed by Joy Donnell. Story producer and editor A. Kirsten. Research assistant Angela Joshi. Some audio mixing by Timothy Dixon. Special thanks to Emiliano Limon. For more information about this podcast or our host Marianne Schnall, please visit marianneschnall.com.